Let me first introduce you and talk a little bit about you here, and then we'll jump straight into the conversation. So Heroes, as, as Prandik mentioned, is a, is a managing partner at BNext. He has been building, I think he's been involved in more than 70 plus startups, early stage, taking them through growth um, in this part of the world, Southeast Asia and India. Um, Hero has not always been an early stage investor. He's actually dealt with, um, he has played in financial markets where he's actually hedged risks to the tune of three or four billion dollars a day. So we'll talk about, the, you know, we'd love to know about your journey. What got you into this? So I grew up, I'm from India. I grew up in India. Uh, I grew up in uh, Rajasthan state. And uh, many of you know that uh, while growing up in India, uh, your parents always ask you to be either doctor or engineer. Uh, and uh, education is the only way usually to go up. Uh, so my journey has been very similar. Uh, uh, I was asked to prepare for IIT exam and I had to go there. Uh, so I went to IIT Bombay. I graduated in 2004 and uh, right after that actually I moved to US. And when I was in US I realized I don't want to be an engineer. Uh, so a little bit late for that but was very kind uh, 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 to get guidance from all the IIT seniors and figure out what kind of things I would like to do. Uh, for me, uh, I always wanted to keep on learning new things. Um, and I always wanted to be involved in things where life doesn't become routine and uh, uh, things that keep on evolving and keep on changing and keep on challenging me. Um, so when I presented it this way, I got all sort of advice. You should go to consultancy, you should do data analytics, and finally somehow through different connection it came that, you know, you should go to finance and should focus on investing. If you do investing, you'll never be bored. And things will always keep on changing. You will always make mistakes, you will always keep on learning. I thought it was very brilliant. So that's how my journey started to investing. Haven't done anything else other than that. So I've been doing, um, I've been investing since 2006. And uh, my first role was in Chicago. Uh, uh, directly, first hedge fund, UBS O'Connor, uh, $3 billion, I was 22. And uh, we were investing across countries, uh, uh, writing complex algorithm. Um, and it was just amazing, I was just, I was just blown away to see uh, how different business models work in different countries, uh, how those businesses are evaluated. And the more I did, uh, I got more keen in understanding uh, uh, businesses more and more, so did my CFA. And I realized <clears throat> I wanted to keep on that journey. Uh, uh, I moved to uh, New York from Chicago uh, because New York is the world's capital you have best in the brain people there. Uh, you, you learn investing from best of the best. And I uh, was very lucky to be at one place for 10 years in a hedge fund where I focused on uh, next generation digital businesses. Uh, so I, uh, I noticed that every investor was investing in only US tech and internet businesses. But when I started evaluating similar businesses outside US, I saw their fundamentals were very similar, but valuation were probably half or less. So started buying them very aggressively very early on. So either Mercado Libre in Latin America, Yandex in Russia, there are 
amazing, amazing, a lot of stories where we compounded not only earnings growth, but multiple expansion. Then I started to see this digitization of countries and sectors is happening around the world at different pace. Uh, so I thought, let me see which other countries or regions will be next. Clearly India, Southeast Asia, LATAM, some part of the Europe, they were on early journey. So started coming to India in 2013, 2014, very early on, meet startups, and I realized um, entrepreneurs who are building businesses, VCs were funding them, but uh, every dollar of funding may result maybe 70 cents, 50 cents in revenue, and it looked like sustainable business will still take time because all the elements were not there. Sometime in 18, when I came, uh, uh, I noticed that things are scaling now probably at 3x, 4x faster pace than what they were. Uh, went back and analyzed, a lot of things have changed. Reliance Geo came, Bharti Infratel was putting all the towers, India became the cheapest data, middle class was rising, disposable income was there. Uh, people have uh, 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 propensity to spend, but there were not means to spend, and, and, and that means will get created if entrepreneurs build these businesses, VCs fund them. So I thought, how can I come, be part of this journey, and build out something big from this part of the world? And uh, in that process, started to map out different funds, different people. Uh, really like the philosophy of Be Next. My partner, uh, Teru Sato, who started it, is a Japanese entrepreneur. And uh, his journey was very similar. He liked the thought process. And he said, Hiro, can you, we would love to have you as a partner. Please come and build out uh, Be Next with us. And uh, we will scale it together. Uh, timing was just amazing. I moved to Singapore in early Feb 2020. And uh, COVID happened, and uh, in 2020, I ended up doing New York, Singapore for some time. Uh, went back because my family was there. Uh, but now I'm here. Uh, in the end, everybody made it. And uh, after being in the region for four years, uh, what I was thinking, how things will play out, how things will look, um, my conviction is higher. Uh, I see a lot of opportunities, uh, but I also see a lot of gaps. Uh, and, the, and those gaps uh, are the one uh, that will make this journey actually more interesting so that we can work with the founders to build business in proper sustainable way. So uh, really enjoying how we are building out things uh, at BNext for our founders. Uh, some of the companies that we seeded from very early on, uh, uh, which you may be aware, before BNext we seeded a tiny company, Tokopedia. In 2011, uh, we gave them two million for 20% stake. And from B next, we seeded uh, businesses like uh, Bharat Pay, Shiprocket, No Broker, Healthians, um, uh, Ralali in Indonesia, uh, Acceleran, Amartha, uh, and so on. So uh, that's my journey so far. Yeah, no, it's really fascinating. And so you went from handling a billion, a few billion dollars a day, to very quickly accelerated to a portfolio of 70 plus companies, right? And of that, I think 30 plus is in Indonesia itself so, or Southeast Asia? So number-wise, we have 100 plus companies in India, 70 plus in Southeast Asia. And out of those in Indonesia uh, uh, is the majority. Uh, so Indonesia is somewhere between uh, 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 approaching close to 50 or so. So when you look at these companies, because that's a lot of companies to evaluate, and um, what are the three most critical attributes you, you look for? Um, and, and how long does it actually take you to evaluate these companies? Yeah, so, yes, there, these are a lot of companies, but we build out a, a really great team now on the ground. 
Um, in India, we have nine, nine people now, Indonesia three, Vietnam one. We have uh, uh, two people in Japan also, and then we have a team in Singapore. And uh, we look at a lot of things uh, uh, while evaluating business, but our process finally uh, uh, focuses on three key things in early stage. Uh, uh, we call it triple T, team, time, timing. Uh, uh, we want to figure out the best team, uh, which is building out in a big addressable market, and the timing has to be right to build that business. Uh, it can be a great team, but if they are four years ahead of the time, it won't work. So uh, these are the three key things we look, and we spend a lot of time in each one of those in evaluating, and if they all come together, uh, we make the investment. Uh, yeah. And Thank you. And specifically in the founder? It's not a cookie cutter uh, or simple process, but uh, what we do is that we spend a lot of time with them to learn their journey, to learn about who they are, uh, uh, what they did when they were growing up, uh, where they went to school, what was their first role, why they picked up that role, uh, were there any challenges at that role, if yes, what they did, what, how they overcome those challenges. And through these kind of discussion, we learn a lot about uh, uh, them as a person, what motivates them, uh, why they are building out this business. Uh, if things don't go right, will they be there? If yes, what are some of these past characteristics that through this journey that they're telling us that fit into that? Uh, so we spend a lot of time on these things. And uh, based on that, it gives us an idea if this founder is the right person to build out this business, and how well they are associated with that problem. And if that makes sense, then we go ahead. Clearly, after making investments, we learn a lot more uh, because we are deeply involved. And then what we see is that if there is not 100% match, if there are gaps, how we can help them in fulfilling those gaps uh, uh, by building out other leaders in the company over time as CXOs. Uh, uh, and then try to see if there is a complete slate and this business can scale. Yeah. So on that, let's maybe talk about how do you actually support them? Where do you get involved? Where do you pull back? I mean, you must be getting tempted because you see what's happening and you want to jump in, but how do, you, how do you balance that out? So yeah, so there actually our approach is uh, uh, kind of very different than a lot of other funds. Um, most of the time we let them run with the things and we observe how they are going. Um, when, when we think there is a feedback needed, then we provide it. Uh, and then, many times, if organizations are growing pretty fast, um, a lot of things break, because some departments cannot keep up uh, compared to the other departments. And when we see those kind of things happening, we try to advise them what's happening. So for example, if a business uh, is scaling in terms of people, we notice that by the time you reach to a size of, let's say, 100 employees, um, your culture starts to move, shift. Um, a founder and his team can keep track of 50, 60, 70 people, but after that, uh, uh, culture has to be cohesive. So are they bringing in somebody in HR? Is that HR person there? If not, we, we try to advise them that it's time to build out the HR department. If a business is in, let's say, Series B or 10, 20 million revenue run rate, do they have anybody in finance department? If not, it's a problem. And that problem compounds at pretty fast pace. By the time they reach at a half a billion valuation, it will be a, such a bigger problem that we are seeing in a lot of companies now, right? Um, so we try to advise how they should think about the finance department, how, when should they have a VP of finance, 
treasurer, when should they bring in a CFO, and work with them in identifying those talents. Uh, many times they say, yes, I need it, but I don't know how to hire it. We have a person in our team who helps in those kind of things. So we, we identify these gaps. Uh, many times problems are totally different. Um, we have a founder building out a company called Meme Chat. Yep. Um, it's just about memes. Every day they build out these memes. Great, great guy uh, um, in early 20s and uh, he was expecting a term sheet uh, that at last minute got pulled out and he had very little runway left. So we did a bridge round for him but I told him, uh, Kyle, um, let's work for six months and focus only on two things. Uh, if you do that, you will be totally fine. You won't need money and you can control your own destiny. And uh, he asked me, what are those two things? I said, first one, don't lose a single customer. Make sure you keep all of them. Uh, it's a B2B business. Uh, and second, every month get one new customer, that's it. You don't need to do anything else. What he didn't realize in the back end to focus on those two things, actually he, he will end up building out everything else properly. And uh, we did that and this business is this year cash flow positive uh, for six months now and growing on its own. And now he is very confident and he wants to build out all sort of different things one by one. So then I gave him another advice. Um, whatever you generate in cash flow, take trailing some of last three months cash flow, give 50% of that for you, remaining 50%, whatever you want to spend on growth, go and spend it. Just some ballpark number so that he understands how to manage the cash and so on, so that he don't run trouble. So it really depends from company to company, founder to founder, uh, but that's how we work with companies. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's what's needed today, right? Given the current investment landscape, especially over the last uh, 12 to 15 months. Uh, are you seeing more and more companies starting to focus on that rather than just trying to raise um, capital for growth? Yes, uh, it's happening. It's a good trend. Um, but sometimes there are founders uh, who still want to chase the growth. So we have other extreme also where we think uh, we have a founder, uh, in this case maybe, I won't share the company name, <laughs> um, it's still doing very well, good, uh, uh, but every month they are coming short on their revenue projection and they are coming ahead on their cost projection. And uh, my feedback to them is because they have close to 12 months runway left, to reverse this equation. However, he thinks he wants to see another two, three months and after that he will try to do it. Um, and in the end, it's their business. We identified the issue, we told them, uh, but let's see how it goes. Uh, I'm still confident, I think he will pull through, but there are founders who still want to chase growth, so if they want to do it and yeah. they feel they are confident, we think they should go for it. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe yeah. that's part of his tenacity, exactly. right? Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, wish him well, uh, or her. Um, and um, so, you know, obviously, as, as you build these investments, there's always lots of hype cycles, right? Whether it's thematic hype cycles, whether it's hype around founders, sometimes there's hype around founders as well. Have you ever caught, got caught into investing based on, on FOMO? Yeah, FOMO, FOMO doesn't work for me. Um, I did public market for so long, for 15 years. Uh, it had taught me a lot of things. I wait for my swing. 
I just wait. I don't have to hit every single ball. If you play baseball, right? You don't have to hit every single it's ball. There's only a few you more people wait. playing cricket here, so yeah. you could use that analogy. Uh, uh, <laughs> so if I have to use, well, cricket I haven't watched in a long time, but if I have to use cricket analogy, I'll say I'm more like a test match player, slow and steady. Uh, yeah. I'm not T20 guy, if I, if I put it correctly, hopefully. Uh, and a um, uh, perfect example was 21, uh, when a lot of founders came to us, Hero, you know, this is how much I'm raising, it's almost done, I have this much allocation left, you want to come in? And I have, and then founders dropped these amazing names. I have these, these, these people who came in. We just tell them good luck. Um, if we think this is a business not for us, no matter who is doing what, we won't do it because it doesn't fit in our process. Uh, uh, one of my uh, mentors in New York, um, he told me uh, investing is very even keel over longer term. You win some, you lose some. However, you need to have a process. And if you have a process and you stay true to the process, throughout the vintage, you will be okay in long run. So we just follow that. And at Bnext also, we have very disciplined way of looking at things and we just follow through the cycle, through the year. Yeah, no, and look, you talked about, um, you know, founders bringing very credible people on the cap table. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of them here who get on founders' cap tables because they're credible and they bring the money. Uh, sometimes it's more about getting them on rather than the money. Um, and of course, there are founders here who are keen to get these sort of angel investors on. And so where do you see, how much emphasis do you actually place on that cap table uh, or who's on the cap table? And where, where does it really count and what advice would you have for founders there? Yeah, I think cap table construction is probably one of the most important thing a founder can do. Um, and, and angels actually are extremely important on cap table, I think. Uh, one of my founder uh, taught me really amazing thing, how he looks at angels and uh, um, I'm just borrowing the way he phrased it and I really like that thought process. Uh, so it, uh, all kudos to him. Um, basically, he, when he was constructing his cap table, he divided angels into three categories which I thought was really brilliant. One is the angels who will help him in bringing investor connections for future rounds. Very important role, I think. Very good. Second category was angels who are operators who will, or who are past operators who build out the businesses who will be his advisors when he needs, when he is growing and he needs certain support. I thought that was brilliant. And third is angels who are operators right now building out the business so that they can tell right now what's happening, where are the gaps, and what they are doing. I thought, I thought like dividing like this category and in each category picking up angels and asking them to uncaptable was really amazing. So I, 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 think, I, think, I think right angels can play very important role. So this is clearly a nice, very meaningful construct session to have. Yeah, the, what we try and do at Thai, the, the whole angel piece. And that's the whole idea, right? I mean, if we can actually support uh, those startups. But I think one of the gaps that I see, um, you know, is um, in this whole space around ESG, 
right? Big hype there, big need, right? Uh, now, Prantik and I were both uh, involved in the Singapore-India hackathon uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was some amazing, I think Prantik was judging the fintech companies, I was judging the ESG companies. Um, and the intent, the ideas that were coming out from these uh, founders were exceptional, right? But if I, you know, if I, when I sat down and thought about, you know, what did the four hours of pitches mean eventually, what was my takeaway? It was, um, they were, they were, the companies were pretty, pretty much sitting on two ends of the spectrum, right? One end of the spectrum is, you know, got to start moving very quickly, but the entire business or the pitch is all based on grants, right? And then, and then there were ones that had a bit more tenacity in trying to raise money from investors, um, but the business models just will not appeal to traditional investors, right, to VCs. Because just the VCs have to go through a different set of process and journey to make money, right? So how do you, how do you actually objectively evaluate? Because I know you've done some impact investments. I'd love for you to share that a little bit. And how do you evaluate these companies and what advice would you have for um, impact ventures? Yeah. Um... Even though we say we are not impact investor, most of the things we have done are having a lot of impact. Uh, I just want to clarify that part. Um, I think ESG and let's say sustainability, climate, some of these new areas are very new in the region. And um, we, think, we think in venture portfolio there are outcomes that are sustainable, but they won't there won't be big outcome. That's what we are underwriting. Considering the fact that we keep our funds very small, those outcomes are okay for us. So if you build out a business that can have 100 million to 250, 300 million type outcome in valuation, I think it's okay. Uh, and, and, and that's what we are underwriting in some of these. Clearly, if you are underwriting this, that type of outcome, yep. From day one, you have to work with the entrepreneur to educate him that this is sustainable at the moment at that scale. So raise capital accordingly and build business that way. Um, we have a biodegradable plastic company in Indonesia uh, uh, called Green Hope, um, where, which, uh, where I invested uh, from Bnext two years ago. Phenomenal team, phenomenal business. Um, very, very much we have to focus a lot on our cash conversion cycle. And uh, this business probably won't trade like a tech business, meaning outcome will be very different. So since beginning when we were investing, we have to do all that learning education and setting the right expectation. Um, and clearly you are right. There are businesses that will be at each spectrum and each investor have to do their own due diligence, but um, we have businesses in education space which we think, even though right now it may not look like good area based on what's happening, but uh, we are very confident of the companies that we have selected and that type of impact those founders are having, it's really, really remarkable. Um, so we will see how the end results happens, but if investors select carefully, they can find good pieces 
they just have to set the right expectation. If outcome will be big, not yes, and then work with the founders accordingly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, all of this requires you to bring the best of your experiences, right? And obviously, you've got a whole vast of varied experiences through your career, but the world's moving so fast. How do you, how do you keep yourself relevant and, and, and current? Because it's new hype cycles, new themes. By the way, I do know, I will, I will say that I've seen your notebooks that you have. So love to hear more about that. Um, yeah, I, uh, today I don't have my backpack, but I, well, I'm al almost always carrying my backpack, which has two, three notebooks. Um, and they go very far back till 2014 or even before. Um, there, I write down my learnings or my mistakes or what matters or what is important. Uh, and actually, there are some good nuggets in those. Um, and I share those with my founders if there is a, if there is a need at some moment. Um, You've shared some with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, those are one way to um, keep you reminding about things you learn and not miss them because because they come back again. Um, uh, and uh, but beyond that, I spend a lot of time reading, listening. Uh, I I also try to spend time with. Uh, regulators, as an example, or uh, different stakeholders to see where things are going. Um, I also try to learn from our allocators, uh, our LP partners, what they are seeing uh, across the world and where things are going, uh, what they are advising to their GP. And then I learn clearly from our founders. So all that helps us in understanding what's happening, where things are going, and, and, and how we can support our founders better. Yeah. Yep. And, um, there's one line that I want to pick on, and by the way, that wasn't uh, that wasn't a wasn't part of a prep, but I've heard that line from you. You know which one I'm talking about. Pressure is a privilege. Can you unpack that for us? Because you've used that. Yeah, um, yeah. So the well, I think I think if somebody is under extreme pressure and 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 and, and they are thinking uh, what to do. First, I think clearly they are at a, at a phenomenal seat, whatever they are doing. That's why they are feeling pressure, you know? That's the, that's the first point. However, I think it's a, it's a privilege actually because it tries to bring the best in people. Your worst of the time is your best of the time. Uh, and that, that truly defines uh, uh, um, not only people, but it's, it's very relevant for entrepreneurs actually. It's very relevant for the founders. They are under constant pressure all the time. Uh, and and how, they, how they come out of that, how they build out their team, how they take care of their stakeholders, how they take care of their customers, uh, 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 that truly shows uh, a lot of things about them and where this business will go and how they will perform. Uh, that's, why I think, uh, that's why I think pressure is a privilege and, and we spend a lot of time with our founders uh, uh, when they are under pressure just to see how they are executing what they are doing, where do they need support. So uh, I really find it, uh, it's actually a pretty remarkable line. And I, it's also part of the diary, by the way. Well, thank you. As we wrap up, I wanted to ask you a question. It's a curveball. 
and I have not given you any sort of a heads up on this question, but if you decided to become a founder today, is there a business that you would build and how would you go pitch to an investor? Actually, I'm building one. B-Tex, yes, right? Yes, I, I know. But so, the one that didn't involve giving money to people, it just involved taking money. <laughs> it's, it's actually slightly more complicated. <laughs> uh, you know, I think being an investor is a lot of pressure, I feel. Um, every, every single money we raise, uh, we treat it very personally like ours. And, uh, and we, we want to, we always think how we can do true justice, you know. And uh, when we partner with the founders, we are not into a push product business. We don't push out, okay, let's build out this, let's build out this, no. We try to learn what do they need. Wherever they need, we build out those products for them. So we started with one product, now we have three within BNEXT. Um, we started with investing team only. Over time we realized founders need support in this recruiting. So we build out a person who helps in recruiting. Um, we realized founders need AWS credit, Microsoft partners, you know, Azure credit. We build out a, we had a person for partnership, community. We build out a full community, we manage it, we do B events. So if I think about all those things, this is like building a business. I realize by the time some founders are in series B, C, D stage, they're great in building business, but sometimes they're not good in pitching. So we feel they may need a little bit investment banking type support. So now we are doing, we go, we sit in their office, sometimes two weeks, sometimes three weeks, we study everything, we try to create a summary, and then we say, this is how you should present. So I feel it's like building a business itself. I'm really enjoying it, and uh, I don't see myself doing anything else than this. It's, 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 it has a lot of learnings, actually, from a lot of people. So I would love to, hopefully, hopefully I can keep on uh, uh, building this while supporting our founders for a very long time. And clearly that's a privilege. You actually get to build a business across a whole spectrum of areas, right? So, um, so we'll end on this note that investors are founders too, right? So investors understand the pain, and investors are people too. Remember that, right? So when you're pitching to them, just remember that. Um, thank you, Hero. I think everyone needs a hero. I'm very glad we have a hero in Thai.